Hello and welcome to the Strength Syndicate podcast, episode number eight, I believe it is, um, with myself, Shane Story, and my ho- my co-host, Lawrence King. How are you, Lawrence, today? How are we, man? What's the story? When are you coming back to us? I am back next week. It's my last recording. It's on Monday. I'm going to be home next Monday. So yeah, my final week in Spain, so... Try to enjoy the sun as best I can, but it's it's actually too hot. Like they, they ever go away and it's just it's just too hot. Like Amazing. like I can't even go outside without being eaten life by mosquitoes or like even go for a ten minute walk and I come back dripping in sweat. So it's uh, not too nice. And training isn't exactly the nicest thing either when you're uh, doing a session. I was like I was training yesterday, so doing a Sunday session yesterday, and my t shirt was literally like it was drenched. Like when I took it off, I could literally like like roll it up and like squeeze out the sweat. It's a, it's a good uh, visual there if he's listening at home. No, that would be, <laughs> well, in fairness, no, that's kind of me on most days once it gets above 15 degrees. So I don't know what it's like to walk around at 125 kilos. Um, but you're actually, you're like fucking, what, like 72 kilos now, 61 kilos. <laughs> that's it. I'm going to be, going to be competing in the 59 kilo class. <laughs> <laughs> Remember a, a solid 700 Wilkes, though, in fairness. Like. Yeah, that would, be, that would be correct, wouldn't it? Yeah, like five-time bodyweight pull. Um, but yeah, how, how has your training been going? So I suppose we're both, both of us are six weeks out now. So coming into the yeah. week, how, how's, uh, how was your last session or your last week of the last wave? Um, kind of a mixed bag, really, to be honest with you, because I kind of similar to the last time we were talking, just fucking pulled in every direction at work. Um, but got everything done numbers wise. Uh, 165 for a handy enough double, 245 for a handy enough triple on deads, and what the fuck else did I do? 240 for a double on squats, and that went pretty good. So, no real complaints. I think, in comparison to the last block, I'm kind of I don't know. Do you ever get that? <laughs> it's only like a nostalgia that you look back on your old block and you're like, that moved ways your last time or something fucking stupid like that. And then you look back at the video and you're like, no, I did not pause that bench. And yeah, I, my arse lifted off it. Or you're looking back at your last like treble of the last build for whatever. And you're like, I didn't lock up my knees and my hand open on the second. <laughs> You know, so there's like yeah. little things, I suppose, that having the kind of video library of your, your lifts definitely helps. So I think, I don't know, I think I'm in a pretty okay position. Your training has gone really well, though, in fairness, for the last, like, what, like you've had a good run for nearly fucking eight or ten weeks now at this stage, have you? Yeah, it's been, it's been all right, but like, I suppose that's that's been what I've shown. You know, I can only, uh, like, say, for example, like last week, like last week, I, I tripled 260, but the week before that, uh, I went, so I went up from the previous week, I did 250 for a triple. Then in the next week, I went for 260 for a triple. Mm. The first time I attempted it, I did one rep and it was probably the slowest pull I've ever done 260. <laughs> went, went, went to go for the second rep, got it to my knees and like it just slipped out my hand. As I got tick and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to try that again got two reps and then on the third rep I just like just I could feel like myself almost crumble and the reps moved like I should you know I've moved maxes slower than I've moved those reps 
and I just dropped down. Then this week I did it and it, like it felt it felt perfect this week. Um, don't know what really changed. Uh, I think one thing I ha- I do quite often, which I need to stop doing, is like cripple myself in the Tuesday session because the Tuesday sh- sessions usually do have quite a bit of volume in them. You know, like the last block had what the high bar nines had four sets of eight and pause deadlifts as yeah. well as then like the bench and then i was also doing some like lower body accessory work not nothing too nothing too major but like you know two sets of leg extensions your rest pause and adductors but doing four sets of eights on pause deadlifts as well as the nines and the high bars like and they're the type of things that i find difficult as well not to kind of not to go hard on you know what i mean serious Oh yeah. Jesus, I would be the opposite as in I go into a Tuesday session and I'm like, okay, your one job is to just get through this, like just yeah. get the volume. I think I'm looking over from the previous week. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You were just you were just fried. But I kind of look at it in a different way that like that Tuesday session is just more about contributing volume yeah. to the rest of the week. Like that's not where you're really building much strength, you're just kind of contributing volume to your total sets or your weekly workload i'd keep it i was trying to keep that um i didn't do a good job at last block but i kind of i think this tuesday i know i kind of hit the nail i actually train today rather than tomorrow um but today i kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of just picking the right load um dad mm-hmm. in fairness would kind of often kind of just give me a range to work in and he'd say like if you feel good, kind of go to the upper, and if you feel shy, go to the lower. I kind of find that just handy. Um, yeah, I pulled it back massively last week, and like I literally like I even stripped it, stripped down the amount of sets as in uh, on the Tuesday, just because. Yeah, I do. I suppose I have to prioritize the main work, like you know the the triple on the beds and then the squats at the end of the week. So I suppose just one of those things that you just kind of learn as you go on and no matter how experienced you get you can still fucking do retarded things <laughs> you do but like even i find within a within a block you kind of have to i suppose this is kind of a segue into what we're saying like but you kind of do nearly have to uh, taper a little bit for that final week um yeah. i find myself that sometimes like if i'm um if I'm hitting something kind of heavy that last week of the block, like I didn't, I, on that Tuesday session, I don't think I did the pause deads at all. Um, last week, cause I knew I was going to be squatting pretty, pretty heavy on Sunday and have a, a fair, well, like two, four, five, something crazy, like, but that's still a, a heavier pull on Thursday. So I just pulled those out. Um, and it's just, just being aware, I suppose that like, if you, have something down the line to know when to pull and not to pull. Yeah. So, so you and I are anyone else currently involved in the abs meet? We'll probably be going through some kind of a peak or a taper for the next six weeks, unless they have no idea what they're doing. And in that case, best of luck to you, sir and madam. I hope you have fun. <laughs> but anybody that gets involved in powerlifting or weightlifting or swimming or sprinting, 
they kind of talk about a taper. And when we're kind of talk, talking about a taper within the context of powerlifting, we're talking about the manipulation of training volume and training intensity, mainly frequency wouldn't really be changed that much typically during a taper. Um, so when we're talking about the manipulation of training variables, it's all done with the larger goal to optimize maximal force production or maximal strength with the goal to lift heavier. So in optimal taper, we should see a marked decrease in volume and fatigue, which should result in better preparedness, kind of feeling fresh going sessions, feeling uh, uh, mentally kind of ready for lift, but also fitness. I, and when we say fitness and this, we kind of mean strength being optimized for competition. So there, there is a shit ton, not a shit ton, but like, a, like a lot of research uh, on tapers. So we kind of know what a good taper and a bad taper looks like. In a fairly bad taper, we might see fatigue and preparedness maintained or even increased. And that's generally just through bad management of training volume and intensity. So what that a poor bad taper might look like is you have intensity so pre-taper levels of intensity and volume levels maintained right up until the week of the meet. No training cessation before the meet and you just go in and lift. So we've had no time for recovery. We've had no time uh, being exposed to additional volumes. So we kind of get to that in a while, but exposure to additional or extra volume for a peak or a taper to work is really important. So anybody who's ever done the abs bench peak will maybe attest to this, that you're doing 25, you're going for maybe the build, doing maybe 16 to 18 sets of bench per week, and then you're maybe going up to like 26 or 28 sets of bench per week for, for that. And it seems to work, generally work pretty well. Uh, and the mechanism behind that is just, you're just doing more work. And then when we start to pull the volume, uh, maybe two or three days out, that's where we're hoping for some kind of super compensation uh, to result in increases in our one arm. That kind of sound half okay-ish so far? It does indeed. Um, I suppose one question I would ask if I was a listener would be, like, you know, so that all sounds great, but why can't we just, like, train into a meet? Or why wouldn't train into a meet give us the best performance? Like, what is the thing that the taper essentially is helping us with as we kind of make those increase in intensity and decrease in volume. Right. So I suppose we have a, a double-edged sword here. So we have this idea of, or not an idea, but we're trying to number one, get rid of fatigue. So that when we're going into these heavier sessions of maybe higher intensity, that we're fresher going in. Then also, as we approach the competition, we will probably have a lot of residual fatigue from the training block we've just put down. So with a reduction in volume, we should see that fatigue go away. 
No, it's not a massive reduction of volume, and I'll kind of get to that, but anywhere from 30 to 50%, we start to see beneficial outcomes. Any more when you get into the 70 to 90% reduction in volumes, we tend to see less favorable outcomes. And we all know volume really, really important for muscle mass, for strength. So a complete, uh, a complete drop in volume down to practically nothing, bad idea. Slight reduction in volume, good idea. The taper length then, I suppose, as well is another important thing to talk about. So in powerlifting terms, we might have our last heavy squat two weeks out, our last heavy pull maybe 10 days out, and our last heavy bench, maybe anecdotally, most powerlifters would be anywhere from seven to four days out. The reason being, if you did all of your last heavy lifts three weeks out, there is a little bit of uh, research to kind of show that upper and lower extremity strength levels might decrease at different rates. So your strength is generally maintained for kind of 30 days ish from when it's peaked let's say it peaked for for argument's sake but it's if we look at the measures that we're using these are very rarely on i think i've spoken about this before these are very rarely measuring squat bench and deadlift performance so i would throw a lot of caution to the wind and saying that maximum strength on a squat bench or deadlift can be maintained for 30 days with succession of training um so for in powerlifting terms, we tend to taper off from about two, 10 days to two weeks and maybe slightly less for bench. We have different kind of, we have a general guideline for tapers and that's from a Bosque 2007 paper. And they're kind of going along the lines of a 40 to 60% reduction in volume. This is a reduction volume over eight to 14 days and maintain our slight decrease in intensity and maintain frequency at 80 to 100%. Now we have different kinds of tapers for different kinds of sports and different kinds of tapers are used more often in some sports rather than others. Um, so as we kind of, again, as we were just saying there, as we approach comp, volume is going to taper off, residual training fatigue reduces, hopefully um and that can be kind of done through four of the main kind of tapers so first one we have a linear taper which from let's say 21 days out we see volume come down in a straight line we have an exponential taper which is a slow decay so quite a slow not quite quite flat line, but um, what am I trying to say? Slight curve, let like mild curve, uh, and then we've I'm, I'm not I'm not a mathematician, so I'm not good with these uh, no. kind of ideas. <laughs> yeah, and then we have a fast exponential, which is a, a larger curve, uh, and then we have a, a step taper. And step taper just means you have your training period and then you have no training period. And that's pretty much it. Those are your four models. So 
four have been kind of those four have been kind of most widely talked about in literature. Um, the only study I've found that compared all four uh, after three months of training in triathletes, so triathlon, swimming, some swimming, some running, uh, what's the other one? Some bicycling. Um, they had a 10 day taper uh, and it followed one of the exponential linear, slow, or rapid, and then it was the step. So they measured five kilometer time trial and peak power output. So from the taper, they saw in around four to 5.5 increases in the exponential, and they saw 1.2 to 1.5% increases in performance from the step. So we're kind of seeing there in triathletes that there is kind of a slight favoring towards uh, towards that kind of exponential decay uh, of volume for in favor in, in terms of a tapering strategy. Uh, but the main paper we're kind of leaning towards today is a meta-analysis from Travis et al. in 2020. Um, the, Jesus, what's the actual title of the paper? The title of the paper is Tapering and Peaking, Maximum Strength for Powerlifting, powerlifting Performance, a review. Now, the only caveat before we take go taking all of this at surface value, there are, just from reading this paper and any kind of digging I've done before on this or anything I could find, there are really, really, really limited amounts of studies looking at um, tapering strategies and kind of, if you look at the methodologies of these papers as well, they're quite slow to put in Wilkes incre like mm. increases in Wilkes performance. Um, they will often leave out like stupid shit, like like leave out like deadlift, or they'll only include like one lift instead of all three. Um, then the other thing to kind of consider is that if you're dealing with a population that are on drugs or not, and I think when we talk about powerlifting, the reality is, is that a lot of powerlifters, bar maybe their test in, or it's been noted that these are lifters that compete in drug-tested federations, and even then, um, it could be the case that the, the athletes that took part in these studies were on some type of performance enhancing drug. So that again, that will kind of, I don't know, does it enhance or take away, <laughs> mm -hmm. take away the findings of the study, but maybe that's a, another, uh, another chat we'll have to have. But so we know kind of shame from what we were kind of read there a little bit about triathletes is that there might be a slight leaning towards our prior to this meta-analysis a slight leaning uh, from previous meta-analysis towards exponential or slow decays of training volume rather than just a complete drop off. So yes. the key, key kind of finding from just to start, the key kind of finding from this is from this whole paper is that tapering and plus our tapering plus some type of 
short-term training cessation are necessary for improving powerlifting performance. So absolutely vital to be included in some kind of program or in the programming for a powerlifter. You have to taper and you have to take some time off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think everyone kind of knows that. Oh, sorry. Never mind. Keep going. Go on. Go on. I, I, I was going to ask, so what, what, what appears to be, I suppose uh, we kind of talked about like training cessation uh, already in the sense that, you know, obviously you don't want to be taking too much time off and like, you know, maybe the 14 days off training is probably not a great idea because maybe some detraining does appear to happen after that kind of 14 day aspect and then 30 days certainly wouldn't be on the table. So shorter, obviously it's going to be apparent, but we don't really see too often that people are taking an entire week off. Sometimes we do if they're bigger people, Yeah. Uh, even still what appears to be the kind of optimal range for kind of training cessation. So I, I, just I suppose I could talk about that now. Um, training cessation in most of these papers, they're kind of saying I'll, there is a recommendation from Travis, and they are kind of saying that a training cessation of two to seven days is the recommendation that they've found from their meta-analysis. So you are kind of talking about maybe just a depending on how fatigued you are, maybe um, two to seven days is up to your own interpretation. Again, like like when meta-analysis make recommendations, they are quite difficult to hang a heart on. They're very rarely definitive as in yeah. do this, do this, do this. Um, so yeah, two to seven days, that's kind of the guideline. So for maximum strength performance, step tapers, may be effective to the same degree uh, as other tapering models. So Travis was basically saying that for strength, the step taper does show some efficacy. Um, But they are saying the tapering with an exponential model uh, is kind of more favorable in order to improve powerlifting performance, i.e. increase your total. Um, But both are pretty effective um, from what they can see. And that kind of from what I kind of just said a little bit earlier, that the whole kind of crux of the issue here is just managing that training volume coming into the taper. Uh, and that's far more predictive of performance following the taper uh, than intensity. So if you're coming into your taper maintaining intensity or having a very slight increase but managing that training volume effectively will hold better outcomes for you than just um playing around with intensity massively Mm -hmm. or um maintaining training volume so i suppose in that travis paper they do kind of try and give some mechanisms behind the taper there they say there's some drop off and create like obviously there's going to be a drop off and kind of creating kinase some cytokines like all of these uh inflammatory markers as well they're all going to be reduced but then at a 
neuromuscular level, it's like what's going on is a lot harder to kind of gauge. Um, there is a Heikinen paper from 1991 that looked at what happens, say, on a hormonal level from a taper. And they saw some IGF-1 increases, some testosterone increases, and some cortisol decreases. Um, as, as I suppose, not that you'd ex- not that you'd expect, but again, we all know like recovery from a very hard training block uh, is re- is really important. So that kind of cessation of training does, and to see that hormone response does make sense mm-hmm. um, so then we're kind of talking about the recommendations prior to that Travis paper or I'm not going to say like swirly but there was a, a Pritchard paper from 2015 and they're in a lab in New Zealand and they did a pretty a pretty nice review just discussing tapering strategies and the mechanisms behind tapering. And I'll get up the name of that paper now if anyone wants to find it. It is the effects and mechanisms of tapering in maximizing muscular strength. And essentially that paper gave some fairly basic recommendations for tapering for strength. Um, the first one that a taper duration of at least one week and no more of four weeks should be used and they can use a step or progressive taper when they say progressive taper again that exponential uh, taper or linear taper is what they're talking about there should be a, a drop off in training load primarily from train volume and they are saying that anywhere from 30 to 70 percent seem effective so again, it's just down to the individual then of how much a reduction of train volume is necessary. Um, and they're again saying that can be true, act, the actual reduction of uh, working total working sets, or you can just drop off the, the frequency. It's, it's one or the, well, I suppose if you drop off the frequency, you are going to drop off the working sets, but they're saying reduce total session volume or reduce frequency. They say that intensity should be maintained or slightly increased. And then finally, there should be a training cessation of at least two days, but no more than a week. Mechanistically, again, they kind of just highlight that um, after any longer of detraining, or not detraining, but any longer completely without training, you do tend to see small decreases in muscle cross-sectional area. Uh, we've spoken about this on this here in terms of muscular atrophy that you may encounter. And not training for short periods of time can see drop-offs in muscle glycogen, um, which could see, like for every gram of glycogen you lose, you lose, was it three or four grams of water, Shane? Three. I think it's three. Train, yeah. So won't see a massive um loss of muscle size, but um I think that two to seven days is a 
a, go, a good a good guide because I think if you're not training for any longer you could run into some of those uh, atrophy or muscle size loss issues mm-hmm. and we also know that for um, that neuromuscular power is something that can't be maintained for very long power output rate force development uh, that you've quite a small window for that um, so I think that's generally just a good idea and then even something like just practicing the skill like as far as like taking even like anybody is taking like a holiday and like when like even a week out training the next time you get underneath the bar you're doing any kind of like anything that is a skill uh in the gym like it does feel a bit weird to get back into and like probably don't want to be feeling kind of out of your rhythm when you're on comp day and you're practicing your your warm-ups you know so even you will see during the kind of week before me like you're probably still going to be coming into the gym and just doing some doing some kind of squats or some kind of deadlifts or some kind of bench but at a very 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 low intensity yeah and i think like anybody that's followed a couple of powerlifting programs you'll typically kind of see very similar um protocols followed between in programs so it's it's very very common for maybe like a last heavy squat to be anywhere from two weeks to 10 days out and then we've the old kind of thing of uh people hitting a, a bench opener and a deadlift opener on a monday say if they were competing on a saturday and then they might come in maybe on the, the wednesday game and take like 50 percent on deadlift for 10 singles or something like that um and that's there is a, a little bit of science maybe to support that that you are potentially optimizing peak power um output for for the 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 main event but that travis met analysis kind of gave further clarification to the drop off in volume issue uh the pritchard kind of left a little bit open and they kind of definitively said that in their meta-analysis of all these studies, they saw that small to moderate reductions in training volume, so 30 to 50%, had better outcomes on people's totals than had large reductions in training volumes. So you're talking anywhere from 50 to 70, 80% in drop-offs in training volume. Um, the smallest training volume reductions they saw were 32 to 37 percent and that had about a five four five percent increase on back squat and deadlift performance and had oh my god on weightlifters i think had four percent of an increase so you're talking like really really small increases but when we're talking like let's say in an ab series here or now like if you have a guy say jesse Je- well, let's just take jesse and jake and if you have a four percent increase in your in your performance following yeah. a good taper that's the difference between winning and losing really so it's quite like let's say if you're someone that just totals a thousand kilos four percent is 40 kilos and i don't think anybody in any world ever 
would ever be happy with leaving 40 kilos behind them on the platform and even for us mortals shame totaling in the yeah. six to seven hundreds like leaving four what four percent of your total behind you just no nobody wants to do nobody wants to do that so just following these kind of basic enough recommendations um does seem to kind of work for 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 a lot for a lot of athletes um but what they do kind of what that travis paper did kind of talk about a little bit was to stay away from high volume or jesus sorry from high reductions in training volume um and that's kind of just going back to what we said earlier that if you have a massive drop off in training volume you could start to see some maladaption so you could start to see some losses in muscle size um you could see some losses in performance from that huge drop off in volume so we do know that volume is required to maintain strength and hypertrophy so be weary if you see from in a program from two or three weeks out that instead of doing your fucking usual 20 working sets a week that now you're just doing two or four so if you see if you see that um maybe raise an eyebrow at what you're being told yeah and like if we think about it like a 30 to 35 percent decrease in training volume isn't really that much like like if you're doing i don't know let's say if you're doing 15 sets of squats a week like that's only what a slight like two or three less sets it's not a lot it's not a big it's not a big drop off like that just means you're maybe not squatting on a friday instead do you know what i mean it's, yeah. it's in practice like you hear like jesus that's third of your training volume and it's like no you're just not squatting on a tuesday anymore like it's not it's yeah. not anything crazy like and there's also the other things factor in like if you have been doing any, any accessories like they'll account towards the reduction in volume so you, that you will be making because yeah. it feels like when you're coming into a peak definitely the last like four weeks people do taper off a lot of their accessories like especially if it's causing a lot of fatigue you know um it's depending on how how close to failure you're pushing your accessories you know that could be a lot so yeah, yeah. no you're, you're you're dead right now i do think within these studies they are talking exclusively about the competition list yeah. um or at least i don't think they include accessories there was one case study i kind of wish i read the other one now i'll come to actually you know i'll come to them in a sec but um the first the first one that kind of talks about like the idea of or sorry i need to backtrack so in that travis meta-analysis they were kind of talking about the need for training volume to be increased up until the taper so we know that for the whole idea of a taper is that we're reducing fatigue we're allowing our body to recover from a stimulus and that's really fucking important to note right it's not just you're tipping along and you're like yeah i'll piss away a couple of sets there and i should feel fine and i'll go in and hit one arm it's like no you like training volume needs to be increased and you need to be fairly fucking 
fairly wrecked coming into that taper to justify it. Um, it's not just like it. This is not just like I'm. I'm going to slightly play around with these training volume and intensity, and that led ten kilos to my bench. That's not how it works. So. Travis were that Travis meta analysis were saying training needs to be amped up coming into a peak or taper essentially for it to work. Um, so then there's a, a fair, I don't know, it's fairly, I think it's a fairly cool case study anyway. Um, it's in a PhD thesis from a, a student at the University of Alabama. He's called Tyler Dale Williams. And it was a over three week peak. Uh, volume was reduced by 32% relative to the normal training week. So during the taper, they had a 30% reduce in training volume relative to what they were doing before the peak. And they saw 1RM bench press increase by 4% from pre-block, pre-training block to the end. During week two, they implemented a planned overreach um, by increasing volume uh, uh, up to 100%, 107% prior to what it was before the taper. So week one, there was a 30% decrease in training volume. Bench press went up. The second week, they had a 107% increase prior to the taper in training volume. During week one of the taper, during one week taper, during the one week taper on week three, volume was reduced again by 67% relative to the planned overreach volume. So in week two, it got up to 107% above baseline volume. Then week three did a 67% drop off relative to the overreach volume and bench press increased by 6% from baseline. And that was a national, like a national level female weightlifter um, that was prescribed an overreach plan. Um, so it is possible that a planned overreach followed by a large volume reduction um, can have pretty high rebound effects um, in really high level athletes. Like anybody that's any merit, like anybody that knows anything about weightlifting knows that like if you're a national level weightlifter in America, you're probably fairly mm. in the genetic elite. So that I thought that was like, when I was reading it, I was like, what in fucking Christ's name <laughs> was going on? But you can kind of, you can kind of see the logic behind it in the sense that there was one very like one reduction in volume from baseline. And then there was a huge increase that second week. So there was nearly like a deload before the increase, massive increase. And then they deloaded again by about 66%. And then they saw another increase of 6% in bench. So I don't know. Uh, that's something I'd like to see some kind of study on. Then there was another two case studies. Um, this is in weightlifters. So I don't know, is it as applicable to powerlifting? Still pretty similar kind of training goal, but um both I was Basler and Travis, so the same guy that did the meta-analysis, he did an earlier case study. 
uh, about weightlifters getting ready for the USA national. So again, fairly ridiculously high level athletes. And they both reported in their tapers that any time you had increased or maintained intensity with large volume reductions, there was also observed decrease uh, muscle size uh, to baseline or pre-taper values. So again, just to repeat that, if you in maintain or in increase intensity, have a massive reduction in volume, you will likely see a reduction in muscle size relative to what you were prior to pre-taper values. So they saw um, both case studies saw a reduction in vastus lateralis cross-sectional area. So your VL, uh, the outer muscular quad, um, was reduced in size uh, following a three-week taper. And that's kind of like, for powerlifters as well, like, like where we're strength athletes um, that are requiring an awful lot less on um, power and speed when compared to weightlifters. I think there's something in there that kind of, I don't know, I suppose maybe sticks with people that a longer taper for powerlifting is probably not maybe the best idea that maybe three weeks might be a little bit too long. They didn't report what would have happened after a two week or a 10 day taper. But generally, um, I would kind of I would kind of wager that a, a shorter, more aggressive taper for powerlifting might probably be a good idea. Um, that's just what I think from what I'm reading so far. But the general recommendation for powerlifting tapers is fairly simple. Reduce volume and maintain intensity or increase it. But intensity is a far trickier variable, I think, to get right when getting ready for a meet. Because intensity can, like in that Travis paper, we're kind of saying that intensity can be basically maintained all the way up to a meet. Uh, and so long as volume, the total volume is managed, that you're good. Uh, um, but that's not really what's reported from studies that have looked at practices uh, from powerlifters getting ready for meets. Um, like for powerlifting as well, the margin that intensity can be increased or de decreased is pretty, or not decreased, but increased at least is, is pretty small. Like the average kind of volume or not the average volume the average intensity uh that most powerlifters are working at uh for say the final four weeks of the meet uh is reported at about 85 percent uh and reducing volumes to a large a large amount or reducing volumes by a large amount and increasing the high intensity work it'll just batter someone uh, and just drop off their performance like um, you tend to see in in most programs that the high intensity work is just done off the back uh, of uh, a period of increasing training volume, but maintaining maintaining intensity 
actually is probably a safer option for making up a taper. So you've all your hard work done up to this point. So that's something to really keep clear in your head. Your taper is quite different. Isn't Your taper is not your training block. Your taper is just those last 10, 14 days. Your taper is just the last 10 or 14 days. So when you hear that, oh yeah, you need to, um, you need to maintain intensity. They're not saying that like you need to squat 240 kilos like a week before the meet. They're saying that you can safely reduce or maintain training intensity. What they are saying is that dropping off your volume and then jacking up your intensity, probably not that good of an idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I suppose in the last the last 14 days, as you mentioned, it's it's not that you're necessarily gaining any more strength, it's that it's being revealed. And hopefully that kind of grand reveal happens on the competition day. Because if you peak too, or if you start to reduce volume and everything way too early and start dropping intensity too early as well, like, you know, you could end up peaking before your competition day. And that's definitely not, not what you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, so it's just, I, I think when people hear taper, they're like, what, like when they read the like literature or what the kind of, what the kind of story is um, from, from these, these papers, they're kind of like, geez, that's, that's terrible. You can't, you can't be doing that. And it's like, then you don't get what the taper is like, like it's, legit just this really small window of like three two three weeks up until comp day and yeah. but go ahead one, one thing that probably makes it a bit easier as well is if like you're coming into the taper a bit fresher like if you are coming in carrying any kind of knocks uh or any kind of niggles that can not only kind of affect the taper, but I suppose it's obviously going to affect your kind of mindset coming into it because say, for example, um, when you were talking about your kind of pec strain that you had and you had to like reduce kind of overall all volume, like, you know, doing that too early can affect, I suppose, potentially your performance, but it also affect your kind of psychology coming into the oh, actual meet, you know? So uh, that's another thing to kind of consider because obviously you can't always follow, follow these kind of recommendations if you have... Uh, how do you say an, an external you're falling apart <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but like what I think what I think people kind of just need to I don't know kind of understand as well is that like in the tape or like you you said it there fairly fairly well is that you're not getting stronger all you're trying to do is just consolidate the strength you've gained over the last like three or four months and just get rid of your fatigue. Um, and that's like the recommendations. There was uh, that hiking and paper and uh, from 1991 and there was another paper, Sep I'm going to make a balls of this name, uh Finnish paper as well from 2018. Like those two papers are 27 years apart. And they both say the exact same thing, which is maintain during your taper of those 14 days, try and maintain your intensity at around 85% and 
and reduce volume by 50 to 55 percent over those two weeks and like if you're some if you're somebody that squats let's say like your max squat is 200 kilos you finished up the block off the block on a 200 kilo squat that means you're just dropping the intensity from like maybe like your your last squat before the comp is like a 170 or 160 single it's not it's not a, it's not a massive drop off like it's just as we were saying just kind of consolidating what you've done but there is kind of some data on there's two papers one on the croatian powerlifting team from a guy grigic uh, they're, they're the Croatian um, he's done a bunch of stuff on hypertrophy and then uh, in the New Zealand powerlifting team with that guy Pritchard that we came across earlier um, so the Croatians followed uh, a similar taper to what I said earlier of maintaining intensity at 85% and dropping volume by anywhere from 50 to 55% uh, but their taper lasted about 18 days. The New Zealanders followed again a similar taper, which was about 17 days, um, but only reduced intensity in some lifts by as little as 5%. Um, so again, these papers are just reporting what was done. They're not really reporting massively on the outcomes or anything. Um, so kind of hard to to read between the lines there and what, what actually worked and what didn't work but they're just reporting what was done but the pay, the Travis meta-analysis finishes on some fairly definitive um, I, I suppose maybe not answers but um, sentences that uh, studies where intensity was maintained appeared to produce uh, performance benefits anywhere from 1 to 6% Whereas those that decreased intensity appeared to produce performance benefits anywhere from two to ten percent. However, studies that reported increased intensity during the taper elicited no performance increases or didn't specify or had an unspecified overall performance improvement. So just to go over that, if you have maintained or reduced intensity, we see increases from two to ten percent ish. However, if you see an increase in intensity during the taper, you tend to see no no increases. Zilch. Now there was one uh, or was it one or two uh, case studies that showed benefits on performance. Uh, where intensity was increased up to the last training session and then decreased by 4% for the final training session, followed by a complete cessation of training leading into the competition. Uh, now, I tr tried, it, it was an Andre and Asco 2016 case study, and I dug around the internet trying to find this fucking paper, and I could not find it. Um it's it's I don't know how do you know when you're reading a meta-analysis or a review and they cite a paper and you go digging for it or uh, but it, like 
we're like, how would these fucking cunts get their hands in this paper? Like, or like, <laughs> I know, like, when you are doing a meta analysis, you did like you do run through a, a ton of databases when when it's actually be, been performed. Um, so it must have flashed up somewhere, but like, it's not available on any repository that I would have I would use. So on the web of science um, or uh, the NCB, NCBI, uh, couldn't find it. So on, on PubMed, I couldn't find it. Um, so if anyone has that paper, send it my way. Because um, I think that's fairly interesting that like they just slightly uh, dropped off intensely coming up into the, to the meat, didn't trade and then saw fairly de in decent increase in performance but the final kind of I suppose where we'll you can kind of start maybe getting some clearer kind of stuff from that Travis meta-analysis is they give some relatively straightforward recommendations but again like the first one there's a recommendation for a drop-off in training volume anywhere from 30 to 70 percent now they have unequivocally said them said that we see they've seen favorable outcomes from small to moderate decreases in training volume. So be aware that they've they've said that previously. Then in terms of the training intensity, slight reductions uh, of training, not slight reductions, but reductions in training volume. Train Jesus Christ, slight reductions in training intensity to in around 85% to 1RM, probably beneficial. Using an exponential or step taper to manipulate your training volume uh, over a one to two week period, followed by a complete, like completely stopping training from two to seven days. That's the kind of guideline. Uh, their guidelines are quite similar to that 2015 Pritchard paper, um, only for their saying the optimal taper that we kind of alluded to earlier is probably max two weeks any longer, and you are probably going to see some maladaption or some like, and that maladaption could come in the form of maybe some atrophy, maybe some losses in peak power. Um, some losses in rate of force development. Um, but they also kind of showed that, well, intensity can be decreased, uh, particularly during the week or coming up to the competition to improve performance. So drops, drop-offs in intensity um, might be beneficial. Uh, like you see it like in the abs program, uh, like you do your last heavy squat two weeks out uh, so that could be like in, you're maybe taking like a new a new squat PB maybe that week. Uh, maybe like if you're going in your best squat ever was like two forty five, and maybe you'd squatted like two fifty. That from that from that build up and training volume, and then during the taper, your last squat might be something like your last warm up which could be something like 210 or 220 or something like that. So nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, so yeah, that's kind of it really. Like, and I mean, like 
what I think I hope most people kind of take away from us going through that kind of paper is just that when you read a meta-analysis or you read something, that's a synthesis of the data they have available to them. So as we were kind of saying at the start, there is like there is a real lack of data on tapering strategies. Um for powerlifters an awful lot of the time they're just legit reporting what people did. Um and that meta-analysis again, the guidelines for it are quite broad. But if you kind of read between the lines, you can pull out some um some stuff that's pretty easy to implement like 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 knowing that for your taper maintaining intensity at around 85 percent for your lifts is probably a good idea that dropping off your total training volume by somewhere from 30 to let's maybe not go the upper range but maybe 30 to 50 percent probably a good idea having frequency maintained still doable um, and then a complete cessation so completely stopping training for two to seven days before your meet before your lifting probably a good idea the taper isn't magic we saw kind of from all of those papers we were talking about like fairly small increases in performance like anywhere from two to six percent there was one paper that saw increases of up to 10 percent but i'm not i'm not 100 sure on um what kind of population there were um they were they included in that study so generally we're talking small increases but in powerlifting i think particularly like if you said to me lawrence you were going to increase your total there by five percent I would bite the fucking hand off you. <laughs> um, if you told me if this if this taper goes well, uh, you will see a performance increase of five percent, uh, and I'm sure Shane, you'd be the same. Yeah, one hundred percent. Every kilo matters. Every kilo matters, but especially like like we've fucking all the big dogs now in D one this year. Um, where uh, like I'd say you're gonna have you. What does one Ian Benson and there's someone else. Whereas I'd say there's going to be like, it's going to come down to the last pull for first place in that. Yeah, it's, going to, it's, going to, it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah. Um, so that that kind of is nothing to be sneezed at. And I just, I don't know, I would just kind of be hopeful that people just listen to their coaches and don't do anything fucking bananas. Like there are shit tons of good coaches that are aware of all of the stuff we've just spoken about. So... That's going back to our old uh, kind of uh, fallback of just just get yourself a fucking coach. Yeah. If you can't take yourself through that, mm. get onto a club. Um, like the, t- the taper is, from what we've seen, like relatively important in terms of a, a powerlifting context. Um, but people still seem to manage to fuck it up somehow by training too hard or training too heavy during that period. So just follow the guidelines, lads. Fairly, fairly simple. Yeah, it's 100% it. I suppose uh, 
that pretty much wraps us up then, does it? That wraps us up. Is there anything you yeah. want to throw in there? Any old curveball or anything? No. I suppose maybe one thing they just touch on there in terms of with the add-on of making sure you have a coach for it. it so it's one of the applications of it is because probably in the peak, you're probably not going to feel the best as well. Uh, like because you will be kind of dissipating that fatigue, but will still have the residual effects, uh, which can as well affect just psychologically. Like, you know, if you're, if you're moving weight a few weeks out and if it's moving super slow, uh, but you have somebody there to just remind you that's kind of part of the process and that on the meet day, you will notice that well, if the kind of taper works, uh, that the weights will start to move kind of at the speed that you kind of expect them to. Yeah. Uh, so that's just one reason to make sure you have somebody there to kind of be an objective eye because like you, you're always going to be your own worst critic um, when you're kind of in those kind of phases. So yeah, just no, one no. thing to bear in mind. So yeah. No. Um, uh, come here. I, I look forward to seeing you, Mr. Story. Um, when, uh, when you're back and I hope all the, everyone, everyone listening gives you a rapturous welcome when you walk into Abs next Sunday. <laughs> uh, well, it won't be, I won't be, well, I won't be here next Sunday. I'll be here, uh, the, the following Sunday. Well, I'll be training there. When will this go live? Uh, this will be going live this Wednesday. Oh, fuck. Won't be this yeah. week. So. Right. No. right. So thank you very much for listening. Um, if you need to find either of us, you can find me at uh, Instagram at story 94 and you find Lawrence at... Uh, underscore Lawrence King. That's Lawrence with a W. And that is us. Right, lads. Thank, thank you very much. Have a great week, man. and we'll catch you in the next one.